This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, we feature Jack Benny and all the gang as they rent Eddie Cantor's house for a few days. The usual cast of characters will show up, including Dennis Day. I always enjoyed his fine Irish tenor and the ever-young character he played. In fact, Mary Livingston, Benny's wife, brought the singer to Benny's attention after hearing Dennis on the radio during a visit to New York. She took a recording of Day's singing to Benny, who then went to uh, New York to audition Day. The addition resulted in Day's role on the Benny program. He remained associated with Jack Benny's radio and television programs until Benny's death in 1974. Eddie Cantor will make a guest appearance. He was quite a guy. His charity and humanitarian work was extensive, and he is credited with coining the phrase and helping to develop the March of Dimes. He was awarded an Honorary Academy Award in 1956 for Distinguished Service to the Film Industry. And, of course, he's remembered for some of his hits, including Making Whoopie, Yes, We Have No Bananas, If You Knew Susie, and Ma, He's Making Eyes at Me. He also wrote a few songs, including Merrily We Roll Along. So here we go with Jack Benny and all the gang in the episode Renting Eddie Cantor's House. friends, I'm going to talk about fine food, fine breakfast, fine flavor and nourishment, and I'm not going to talk about ration food. How do I do it? <laughs> easily, good people, easily. I talk about crisp, toasty brown grape nut flakes. They're mighty swell eating. Yes, grape nut flakes are top for taste appeal. They have such a molly rich goodness, such an outstanding, distinctive flavor, that grand grape nut flavor, in tongue-easing, toasty flake form. And here's news for you homemakers on the thrift chip. You can buy as many as you need of those big 12-ounce economy-sized packages of Grape Nut Flakes without spending a single precious ration stamp. Delicious, nutritious Grape Nut Flakes are not rationed. Ask for Grape Nut Flakes, America's fastest-growing breakfast cereal. by the orchestra. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you a man who lost $50 on Rochester's horse in the Kentucky Derby yesterday and took it like a man, it says here, Jack Benny! (laughs) 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hello again. This is Jack Benny, the gambler, talking. And, Don, I'll admit that I was a little disappointed when Rochester's horse came in last. But what really gets me is that I lost $50 and the whole race was over in two minutes. Well, what's that got to do with it? Losing $50 in two minutes, that's too fast. Why, several times in holdups, I've stretched it out to ten minutes. <laughs> you know, ad-lib with a guy while he's taking my shoe off. <laughs> anyway, the race is over. I lost $50, and heaven knows I wish I could forget it. <laughs> I mean, I'm really, I'm really not a sore loser. What do you mean, you're not a sore loser? Oh, hello, Mary. I mean, I can take it. I never care what I lose on a horse race. What are you talking about? A couple of months ago, you lost $2 on one of Bing Crosby's horses, and you burned his house down. I was in New York when Crosby's horse, when Crosby's house burned down. It could have been his horse. But getting back to the Kentucky Derby, I wasn't disappointed when I lost that bet on Rochester's horse. I heard the result over the air, I walked over to the radio, and I turned off the dial. You bit off the dial. <laughs> Mary, for the last time, I was not disappointed. I was not upset. Then why did you run in the bathroom and try to slash your wrist? <laughs> because the broadcast was sponsored by Gillette Blue Blades, and it threw me a thought. <laughs> That's the only reason. Say, Jackson, you aren't the only guy that lost dough on that race. I hear Rochester lost his whole bankroll. Yeah, he wired me for some money, but I didn't send him any. Well, then how's he going to get home? He's riding his horse from Kentucky. <laughs> He'd make much better time if the horse would ride him. <laughs> Burnt cork, he had to call him. Burnt cork. I can roll a cork down the street with my nose faster than that horse can ride. <laughs> it just so happens you have a very good nose for cork rolling. <laughs> That's not the picture at all, sis. Stop giggling. You, know? you want to know something, Jackson? I won 20 bucks on Rochester's horse. How could you win 20 bucks when the horse came in last? I bet he'd still be breathing at the end of the race. <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, Bill, you're the kind of a... Oh, hello, Dennis. Hello, Mr. Benny. Well, you lost $50. Go ahead, kick me. <laughs> kick you? What for? It's right in my contract. When you're lonely, sad, and blue, I get it. <laughs> Don't worry, kid. I'm not going to kick you. Okay, then I'll take this pie tin out of my pants. Well, I'll be darned. There's a pie in it. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen... Lemon meringue. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> now, let's forget about the derby and horse races and everything. We've got a program to do. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for our feature Kentucky, I mean feature attraction, <laughs> this evening, we are going to present... Oh, pardon me, Jack, I'll take it. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for our feature attraction this evening, we would like to show you what happened last week when Jack rented Eddie Cantor's house in Palm Springs. It seems that... Now, Jack... wait a minute, Don. Nobody's interested in that little episode in Palm Springs. I rented Cantor's house. I had a very pleasant week. I paid him for it. You what? I had a very pleasant week. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight we're going to do a play. But Mary thought this would be much better. Mary, Mary, who's the boss of this program, me or Mary? Grape nuts, plates, and the big 12-ounce economy-sized package. That's who's the boss. <laughs> well, if you're referring to General Foods, Don, we, we get along swell. Gosh, I remember old General Foods when he was just a yard bird. <laughs> that hair's 
ought to be shot. Listen. <laughs> Mary, take my gun outside. There's no smoking in the studio. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, as I start to say before I miss Harris, for our feature attraction this evening, we are going to present a play. Now, Jack Benny, we're not having any plays. Go ahead, Don. Tell everybody what happened to us at Palm Springs last week. Okay. Oh. Well, the whole thing started when Jack's doctor told him last Monday morning that the only way to really clear up his cold was to spend a week on the desert. On the desert, on the desert. Big fat cactus. <laughs> Jack and Mary had just left the doctor's office and were walking along Vine Street toward the Brown Derby, where Jack gets his toothpick. There you are, mister. Are you all right now? Yes, yes, yes. Thanks, honey. Are you sure you can manage alone? Yes, yes, yes. I'm all right. Well, goodbye, mister. Goodbye. Darn those Boy Scouts are always leading me across the street. <laughs> Not that old. Well, I'm starving, Jack. Let's drop in at the Brown Derby and get something to eat. I know a place right up the street from the Brown Derby that's terrific. Hand hot doggery. I'm not going to that joint. What do you mean, joint? Everybody goes there. Look at their slogan, Burp with a movie star. <laughs> Darn this cold. Imagine my doctor telling me the only way to get over it is to go to Palm Springs. Now I have to buy a tent. A what? A tent. Did it ever occur to you to stop at a hotel? I don't know anybody staying at a hotel in Palm Springs. I mean, get a room of your own, a place where you can have both ends of the towel. <laughs> oh, I might have to at that. Well, here's Hands, hot doggery. Let's go in. Hello, Hoolahan. I'm about something to eat. Did you make a reservation? <laughs> No, did you, Jack? <laughs> no, I forgot to. Then you baby. Look, Mr. Houlihan, I wish the place in here were as shiny as his head. <laughs> Look, Mr. Houlihan, I'm Jack Benny. I dine here four or five times a week. You got a wonderful stomach. Get out of here before it's too late. <laughs> okay, some other time. Come on, Mary. Let's go. Wow, this fresh air smells good. We were only in there a second. <laughs> Want to go out and be so ritzy? We'll walk down to the Brown Derby. Come on. Gosh, the Brown Derby sure is jammed today. Give me your arm, mister, and I'll help you through the crowd. Go away. Go away. <laughs> I don't need you. Well, if you ever do, ask for Dick Davis, Beaver Patrol. <laughs> I'll remember that. Come on, let's find a table. Yeah. See, this place sure draws the tourists. <clears throat> I hope nobody asks me, Jack Benny, for my autograph. <laughs> Uh, what's that name again? Jack Benny. Well, nothing happened. Let's eat. Mm, there's Chili as the head waiter over there. Maybe he can... Say, hey, Jack, isn't that Eddie Cantor in that front booth? Where? Oh, yeah, that is Eddie. 
Gee, I hope I look as good as he does when I'm his age. <laughs> yes, sir. See, I just thought of something, Jack. Eddie's got a house in Palm Springs. Maybe you can rent it from him. Rent Cantor's house? Mm-hmm. What do you mean, rent it? He's a friend of mine. He'll give it to me. Let's sit, sit with him. Hello, Eddie. How are you? Well, Jack, Mary, come on, sit down. Well, Jack, what are you doing in the derby? Raining outside, huh? <laughs> no, no, no. It was Mary's, Mary's idea. I haven't seen you in a long time, Jack. You look marvelous. Well, thanks, Eddie. Thanks. I've been pretty sick, you know. Well, sick or not, I hope I look as good as you do when I'm your age. <laughs> Well, how's the, uh, how's the family, Eddie? How's Ida and the boys? Oh, they're all... <laughs> boys? What are boys? <laughs> Jack, my kids are girls. You're oh. thinking of Crosby. Crosby? Yeah, remember I burned his house down for you when you were in New York? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yes, thanks. Well, go ahead and order something to eat, Mary. Incidentally, the peanut butter sandwiches here are delicious. (laughs) Incidentally, I'm having the cream turkey. Incidentally, the cream turkey costs a dollar seventy-five. Incidentally, everybody's looking at us. (laughs) Let them look. They're looking. They're looking. All right. You can have the cream turkey, Mary. But if I ask you for a kiss on the cab on the way home, don't say what for. I'm kind of hungry myself. What are you having there, Eddie? It looks good. Chicken soup with egg noodles? Chicken soup with egg noodles, huh? I think I'll have some of that. Okay, I'll have the way to bring your spoon. <laughs> no, I mean, I'll, I'll order some. A bowl for myself. They haven't got it today. I brought this one from home. <laughs> oh, spoon, waiter, spoon, spoon. What for? I want a spoon to eat chicken soup with my friend here. He brought his own spoon. Look, I came unprepared. Give me a spoon. Here you are. Thanks. And waiter, bring me an order of cream turkey. At last, a sale in this booth. I can't believe it. (laughs) Nice guy. Gee, this soup looks good. Yeah, let's start. One, two. You know, Eddie, I'm sure glad I... Boy, this is hot. You know, Eddie, I'm sure glad I... Eddie, would you mind eating with your left hand... And putting your right arm around my shoulder, I'm too far from the bowl. Is this better, Jack? A? Oh, I'm sorry. My elbow's in your ear. <laughs> yeah, we got to think of something else. Well, why don't you put your right hand through my left sleeve, and then we can both dip at the same time, huh? <laughs> No, then we'd have to cut a hole in your coat. Well, that won't work. Why don't you put the bowl on my head and eat piggyback? <laughs> You go and get that cream turkey. I think we're all right now, Eddie. Let's go. One, two. As I was saying, Eddie, I'm sure glad I bumped into By you. By the way, Jack, would you mind breaking a cracker and putting it in the soup? Sorry, Eddie, but I can't stand crackers in my soup. Well, break one in any way and float it over to my side. <laughs> okay. There. Anyway, Eddie, I'm sure glad I, I'm glad I bumped into you. I, you see? You see? The crackers aren't flowing. See, they're all on my side. 
Well, tip the bowl a little, will you? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Get ready, Eddie. Yeah, I can hardly make that. Get ready, Eddie. Forward two. Say, Mary, while you're waiting, why don't you get a spoon and join us? Don't bring guests. It's crowded enough. <laughs> what do you think? This is the Hollywood Bowl? Well, it's so delicious. I thought... Whoop, whoop, hold it. Hold it. Hold it there, Eddie. What's the matter? That noodle is mine. Most of it is on my spoon. Now, give me that noodle. Oh, no, you don't. Let go of that noodle. You let go. <laughs> what are you laughing at? You look like two robins with a worm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've had enough anyway. There's your cream turkey, miss. Thank you. Do you want three forks with it or are the boys sitting this one out? <laughs> Don't be so smart. Well, I've been trying to say, Eddie, I'm sure glad I bumped into you. You know, I'm going to Palm Springs for a few days, and I thought maybe you'd like to join me. I thought maybe we could get a room together in a hotel. I don't think I can make it, Jack, but say, I'll tell you what. What, what, what? Tell me what, what? Well, no, I don't think you'd like it. Yes, I would. Yes, I would. Tell me. Tell me, what were you going to say? Well, I happen to have a little house down there. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Why don't you stay there instead of a hotel? Well, that's, that's darn nice of you, Eddie. What would you charge me for it? Oh, Jack, we're friends. We've known each other for years. Take the house for nothing. No, no, Eddie. Now, wait a minute. No, friendship is friendship. But I don't want to take advantage of it. Now, I insist on paying you for your house. Take it for nothing, please. I'll feel better. But, Eddie, I'll feel much better if you charge me something. No, it. no. Now, come on, cut it. Now, how much do you want for one week? One week? What is... $300? $300? He isn't that a big jump from nothing? <laughs> Jack, look what you're getting, a tennis I don't like swimming. And four bedrooms. I've had insomnia for two months. Now, Eddie, help me, please. Cut that price. <laughs> All right, you can have the house for 250 How's that? I'm still restless. <laughs> okay, now give me the house for nothing. You'll feel better, like you said. All right, Jack Benny, I'll give you the house for nothing on one condition. What's that? Look, there are plenty of hotels in Palm Springs. Don't start a new one, will you, Jack? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I won't. Well, thanks, Eddie. All right, you're welcome, Jack. So long. So long. I'll see you later. Again, in 
sung by Dennis Day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, to continue with our story of what happened when Jack rented Eddie Cantor's house in Palm Springs. Hey, you big fat stool pigeon, tell him everything. Well, bright and early Tuesday morning, Jack, Mary, Dennis, Phil, and myself okay, were out on it. Highway 99, hitchhiking our way to Palm Springs. Mary had no trouble stopping a truck. I use the old guy to check, folks. Yeah. And before many hours had passed, we had arrived at the Springs and were hiding in the bushes in front of Cantor's house. It uh, seems that Jack thought it Listen, everybody, you stay in the bushes here, and I'll go up and ring the doorbell. What do we have to stay here for, Mr. Benny? That's allowed, then. If you think I'm going to spend five days in hollyhocks, you're crazy. It'll only be for a few minutes. Once I get inside, you can all drop in casually. I don't want the caretaker to tell Cantor that I brought a whole gang with me. After all, you know how cheap he is. How cheap is he, expert? (laughs) (laughs) Phil, pull your head down and try to look like a hollyhock. I look more like a gladiola. Why? I worry about things. Dennis! Flowers should be smelled and not heard. Now remember, fellas, when I give the signal, come in casually, you know? Let's see. Where's the doorbell? Oh, here it is. We want candor. What a hand. <laughs> Pull your head down, kids. Uh, here comes somebody. Holy smoke, the house is haunted. How do you do? <laughs> uh, how do you do? Are you the custodian? I beg your pardon. I said, are you the caretaker? No, you didn't. You said, are you the custodian? (laughs) Well, custodian and caretaker are identical. They're synonyms. They're synonymous. Mm. You save time by ignoring me. (laughs) Look, all I want to know is, what what do you do here? Eddie Camper pays me to stay here and keep burglars away. Burglars? Mm. Are there many burglars in Palm Springs? Mm, Only me. (laughs) Oh, you're kidding. You wouldn't take anything. I wouldn't take anything. Have you got the correct time, please? Why, it's... That's strange. I must have left my watch at home. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. boy. (laughs) Well, look, look. I'm Jack Benny. The feeling is mutual. What do you mean, the feeling is mutual? I don't like you and you don't like me. Look, I'm Jack Benny. Mr. Cantor said I could use his house this week. You're Jack Benny. You're Jack Benny? Yes, I'm Jack Benny. If I look like you when I reach your age, I shouldn't reach it. 
What's that got to do with it? Now, you going to let me in or not? <laughs> yes, come in and bring those hollyhocks with you. <laughs> come on in, kids. Everything's all set. Come okay. on. Okay. Right. Right. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we all took our luggage, went inside the house, and made ourselves comfortable. Jack, of course, took Eddie's room and started to unpack his bag. Let's see. I got my white flannels and my blazer. My parasol, in case it gets too sunny. Yeah. And here's your bathing trunk. Thank you. Now, where's my... Oh, darn it. Now I won't be able to go in swimming. What's the matter? Did you forget your muscles? <laughs> no, I forgot my water wings. What's the difference? You couldn't blow them up anyway. <laughs> Cut that out. Hey, Jackson. Tanner sure got a swell layout here. Look at all those pictures of movie stars on the wall. That's right, Phil. We're all up there. There's my picture over there. Where, Mr. Benny? Right there, above the dresser. That's Gene Autry's horse. Oh, yes, the white mane fooled me. <laughs> Although I gave Tanner a beautiful picture of myself. I must be around here someplace. Oh, Dennis, will you please put my razor and my toothbrush, uh, toothbrush in the bathroom? Yes, sir. And Mary, put my cold cream on the dressing table, will you? Okay. Now, where did I put Oh, my... Mr. Benny! <laughs> what is it, Dennis? I found your picture! <laughs> I knew he had it around here someplace. Who can that be? I'll get it. Hello? Jack, this is Eddie. Are you comfortable? Is everything all right? Oh, swell. The house is wonderful, Eddie. I'm glad you like it. By the way, Jack, I had a little talk with Ida, and I told her I'd let you have the house for nothing. How'd she take it? When I stopped bouncing, it was $300. <laughs> you mean I'd expect me to pay $300 rent? Yes, and 10 cents for the chicken soup. Well, all I can say is you're a fine friend. Well, don't blame me. Don't blame you. Who's the boss of your family? You or Ida? I'll call you back. She's standing right here. <laughs> Insist. What are you, a man or a mouse? I'll have to call you back on that, too. <laughs> okay, I'll send you a check. Goodbye. Goodbye. I'm sorry about this, Jack, but anyway, have a good time. I just stop pushing. I can certainly wish him a good time. Have a good time, Jack. Deeper. Now a woman can make such delicious chicken soup and be so mercenary. Oh, well, what do we do, Jack? Go home? We can't go home. I'll check for $300, 10 cents, and a wristwatch. Now, listen, Mary, this goes for all of you. You're all shipping in and paying for your rooms here. Phil, you get the big room at the head of the stairs. That'll be ten bucks a day. And Don, yes, you get the corner bedroom with cloth ventilation. That's twelve fifty. Dennis, you can sleep on the Davenport for three and a half. Mary, you take Ida's room, and we'll put a sign out front, tourists accommodated. I'll get that three hundred dollars back if it's the last thing I do. I want to thank you and Bert Gordon, the mad Russian, for coming over here today. And, uh, really, I was thinking... Oh, stop thinking. You've got the violin under your chin. Phil is ready. I'll sing, all right? Okay, let's go. Come on. Give us another... Every star above knows the one I love, sweet... The moon up high, I'd like to kill that guy, sweet. <laughs> no one else, it seems, ever shares my dreams. 
And without you, dear, I don't know what I'd... When you're feeling mighty blue, Grape Nut Flakes is good for you. Out of mind, you live all the time, sweet... No one else is ever shared my dreams. And without you, dear, I don't know what I'd... Wish that he would play piano so I could sell my sweet iPad a heart of mine. You live all the time. first program of the new Grape Nuts Lake series. We'll be with you again next Sunday night at the same time. Good night, folks. The Jack Benny program is written by Bill Marlowe and Ed Bellore. Stay tuned for The Saint next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Time now for The Saint and the episode, The Furniture Move. The Adventures of the Saint, starring Vincent Price. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charter and known to millions from books, magazines, and motion pictures. The Robin Hood of modern crime now comes transcribed to radio, starring Hollywood's brilliant and talented actor Vincent Price as... The Saint. Hey, Mr. Templer. Yes, Louie? You look tired. I am a bit. Been working or something? Or something. That is, uh, I've been playing chess. Uh-huh. So wipe the lipstick off your mouth. The lipstick? Uh, 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 thanks, Louie. You're welcome. On a chess player, don't look good. It was a very close game. <laughs> that I can figure out for myself. Hey, look, somebody's moving out of your house, you see? There's a moving van parked in front. Yeah, so there is. I better stop here. They're still lugging furniture out. I hope it's the people who have the apartment over mine. Boy, what's the matter with them? Large feet. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Hey, that's odd. What? That desk they just put in the van. It looked familiar. All furniture nowadays looks familiar. Oh, they're all finished. I'll pull up. Don't bother, Louie. How much do I owe you? A buck. Hey, Mr. Temple, what's the matter? I'm beginning to realize why it looked so familiar. Why? Because it was my desk. Now, look, Mr. Temple, you must have made a mistake. You're not moving. I didn't make a mistake. Yeah, but it's ridiculous. Mr. Temple? Yes, it was my desk. Not to mention my table, my chairs, my... Hey, Louie, did you get the license number of that truck? No. 
But it belonged to the North America van lines. How do you know? Said so on the side. Oh, well, I'll look it up in the phone book. Yeah. Room looks awful naked. You know, furniture does a lot to fill up a room. Yeah, I've got it here. Uh, North American, 45 Columbus. Phone number? Well, anyway, we know one thing about where your furniture is gone. We do? Yeah. <laughs> North America. Oh, fine. That's a big help. North American, good evening. Good evening. My name is Simon Temper. I have a complaint. Then you want the manager. I do? You do. His name is George H. Smith. Smith? Oh, very well. Well, let me talk to him. He's not in. Sorry. Well, uh, you might be able to help me. You see, uh, my complaint has to do with my furniture. I, it's just been moved by you people. Didn't we move it far enough? You shouldn't have moved it at all. We're so enthusiastic. I think you'd better check your records. Find out who ordered the van and where the furniture is to be delivered. Very well, sir. Just hold on. Having trouble, Mr. Temple? No, Louie. Just whimsy. From truck drivers? We'll sue them. Who will? Us cabbies in New York. The whimsy belongs to us. And furthermore, I'll... Mr. Templer? Yes? You ordered your furniture moved. I did? Paid for it in advance. Turned the key over to our men and asked for rapid service. Well, I certainly got it. And where did I order the furniture moved to? The Sprague Furniture Galleries. Sprague? But he handles antiques. My furniture is modern. Maybe it's aged rapidly. Good night. Good night, sir. Come on, Louie. We're going to a gallery. We're in a hurry? Yes, you might say we've got to get a move on. Louie, I'm, uh, I'm puzzled. I'm ahead of you. My furniture couldn't have been stolen for the money it would bring. It wasn't that valuable. Too great a risk was involved. So somebody did it for fun? Oh, hardly. Why was it stolen tonight, not last week, last month, or last year? Maybe the guys that swiped it were too busy. Also, half a dozen pieces were taken. Among them, a particularly worthless whatnot. What? Whatnot. And who's on third? A whatnot, Louis, is a Victorian monstrosity which shouldn't happen to a tree. The point I'm making, though, is that I've had that whatnot only a few days. Uh-huh. Well, that means they were after the whatnot. So why did they swipe the other stuff? Confused the issue. To make me think it was just an ordinary burglary. To keep my attention away from the whatnot. Maybe it's worth a lot of money, huh? It's worth exactly what I paid for it, $17. So that don't figure. Where'd you get it, anyway? Oddly enough, Louie, it's a spray gallery. Oh, that gallery don't, don't look open. Come on. Sprague sleeps in the back. He has a small apartment there. There's no truck around, Larry. Must have already unloaded. Yeah. Mr. Sprague ought to wash his windows. Yeah, I can't see a thing inside. Must be a bell around, however. Oh, yeah, not use one. <laughs> Sounds like an antique bell. Antique or not, it should awake Mr. Sprague. So maybe somebody should ought to tell him on account of it ain't wake him. No. Hey. Yeah. Door was open. He may have forgotten to lock it. He light a match, though. Okay. Thanks. Oh. Oh. Now we got light, but... Hey. There's your furniture. Yeah, so it is. Desk, table, couch, and... And then and, and the whatnot. Yeah. Truckman evidently delivered the stuff and left. But, uh, where's Sprague? Maybe in that back room, huh? Yeah, well, we'll see. Oh, the lights are on in here. 
kind of a cluttered place for a guy to live in? Yeah, not only cluttered, Louie. It looks as though a hurricane had made more than a passing visit. Yeah, I sh- The temple. What, what, what are you staring at? Back here, behind the bed. Huh? Somebody besides the hurricane also visited? Hmm. Knife is still in his chest. He ain't noticing it? He's dead. Oh. Hey, hey, there's a car. Seems to be in the back. Gone. <laughs> so I hope is the killer. Come on back in. Yeah, we frightened him off, Louis. Speak for yourself. I don't frighten babies. But he was still here. Why? Evidently, he hadn't finished his job. But what job, Louis? Well, you said the place looked upset. Maybe he was searching it. Yeah, that's true, but searching for what? The furniture was delivered, the truckman left. The odds are that by the time Sprague was already dead. Yeah. Very well, then what What could the killer have been looking for? The whatnot was here whenever he wanted it for. Louis, I didn't do it. You know, you know that whatnot must have had a history. Sprague probably has records showing where he purchased his furniture. Uh-huh. So the killer hung around trying to cover the back trail of the whatnot, huh? After all, he didn't expect us to notice the truck leaving your house with your furniture. We we ain't supposed to have been here so quick. Is that good? Only if we find what the killer didn't find. For me, I give up. What do we do now? We do just what the killer did before we interrupted him, Louie. Search for Mr. Sprague's ledgers. We go through them, huh? Yeah. And maybe they'll tell us why a man had to die for a whatnot. <laughs> It's not in this one. Yeah. Hey, Mr. Temple, I think I got it. Oh, let me see. Here, here. Ah, Victorian whatnot. This is Susan Carter, Hill Road, Cresdale, New York. Cresdale? That's only half a dozen miles north of the Bronx. This is strange. He doesn't seem to have paid her anything at all for the whatnot. Maybe she paid him. We could phone, but... You know, Louis, about the only thing on our side is the element of time. We're moving faster than the killer anticipated, therefore... I know. We go north. You know something, Mr. Templer? The trouble with the country is it's so far from the city. I never thought of that. Well, think about it. It's true. I'd rather think about Mrs. Susan Carter. Spray got that whatnot from her about a week ago. Yeah, and I bought it from him three days ago. But uh, will she be able to help us? Why not? Was her whatnot? Sure, but if she knew anything about it, anything that would make it worth murdering someone for, she'd never have passed it on to Sprague in the first place. We may be chasing a wild goose, Louie. Who needs a wild goose? A wild gander. Slow down, Louie. I think it's that house on the corner. Okay. Yeah, this is it. Ooh, it's a large house. It looks... It looks like there ought to be bats flying around it. It's not so bad. It's not a house most people would prefer to live in. Like a wonderful place to die in. What am I saying? I have to frighten myself yet. Mm. Lights on somewhere inside. We must keep late hours. Let's go. Some fun they have in these country houses. Yeah, I think it's time we ran. You know, I'm wondering what she didn't. Hey, look, the light just went out inside. I got a feeling nobody is going to open that door. 
all right, all right, all right. So I was wrong. But who opened it? Doesn't matter. We can get in. Okay. Except I would be happier if somebody at least had opened it. Stop making up phrases like that. It came from someplace down this hallway. You're running in the wrong direction. We're running. Look, it must be this door. It's the only one along the hallway. Does it open? It opened. Who are you? Oh, hello. I'm I'm Simon Temple. This is Louis. Yeah. What do you want? Uh, we heard you scream. I used to be that to our mouth. It must have been a large mouth. It was a large scream, Mrs. Carter. I'm not Mrs. Carter. But, uh... Claire Wayne. Mrs. Carter's me. Oh, I apologize. How'd you get in? Well, the front door opened by itself. A very mysterious effect. You're making things up. Not really. Uh, could we see Mrs. Carter? Could you... Oh, no. <laughs> Miss Wayne. Come on, Louie. Yeah, well, I'm right behind you. Claire! Where the devil? Claire! Oh, I, I'm sorry. Neither of us is Claire. Are you Mr. Carter? Carter? Me? No, no. I'm Harold Thompson, Susan Fethier. Oh, I'm Simon Templer, Louie. Templer, huh? Are you the saint? Yes, I am. Well, this is quite an honor for us. Thank you. Actually, I wanted to speak to your aunt. You did? <laughs> I said something amusing? You've no idea how amusing. I'll laugh about it all night. <laughs> Hey, he's gone, too. Very restless-type characters. Well, anyway, we're getting acquainted fast. Except with Mrs. Carter. Large house. We'll have to look through all the rooms in it. You'll have to look even farther than that, sir. I didn't hear you come into the room. You walked softly. It's a habit of mine. The ill and the dying resent a heavy footstep. It uh, frightens them. Really? Delusion of reference. I suspect the associated with death coming for them. You're a doctor. Yes, I'm Dr. Thor. Uh, my name's Templer, Mrs. Lurie. Good evening, gentlemen. How do you do? Uh, you're Mrs. Carter's physician. Yes. She's ill, then? No. She's not at all ill. Well, then I'd like to speak to her at once. About, uh... uh about a whatnot that she gave to an antique dealer named Sprague. Seems a trivial reason to brought you out here at this hour. The whatnot in itself is perhaps a trivial thing, Doctor, but murder isn't. Murder? Mr. Sprague. Oh. Uh, at what time was he... Probably uh... around eight this evening. Hmm, it's interesting. At eight, I was out in my car on my way here, but I took a long way around. Might have included the stop in the city. At eight, Harold Thompson had not as yet reached this house. Of course, where he was until then, I cannot say. At eight, Claire Wayne was at the movie, she told me earlier. Yes, that she was. Yes. Very interesting hour. Yes, and uh, where was Mrs. Carter at 8 o'clock? She was where she is now, with a nurse in attendance. I thought you said she wasn't ill. She isn't. She was. Oh, I see. She's dead, then. She's dead. Interesting. Three people might have known what the mystery of the whatnot was, and of them, two are dead. The third is a murderer. Susan Carter was an old woman with a weak heart. Meaning her death was natural? Yes. I don't sneer at coincidence, Dr. Thorne, but under the circumstances, I'd like to be sure it was coincidence. Well, of course, I can't quarrel with you about that. I've had a thought or two about Susan's death myself. And? She wasn't stabbed to death. Her heart did fail her. Mr. Templer, I'm not a young man anymore. I'm tired. I'm all, I'm all confused and... Before going any further into this thing, I'd like to rest. 
would you be asking too much of you to spend the night here, hmm, Mr. Kemp? I, I think it's very hospitable. There's plenty of room. This is a large house. Suppose we all go to bed. In the morning, perhaps the shadows will all fled. Well, I think we'll be comfortable in this room. I, I know the house quite well, you see. I, I played in it as a child. There was a time when I thought that perhaps Susan and I would live in it together, but uh, I uh, married someone else. Uh, good night. Good night, Doctor. Uh, good night. He's kind of broken up about Mrs. Carter's death, huh? Yes, he is. Could be an act. Uh, it seemed genuine. You know, Louie, nobody in this house has an alibi for Sprague's death. Yeah, Mr. Temple, let's go to sleep, huh? In the morning, I'll feel strong enough to be surprised right now. All right, we'll go to sleep. Yeah. What could happen, anyway? Temple. What, what, what? what? Yeah, I smell smoke. Uh, well, 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 the house is on fire. Hey, come on, Louie. I'm right with you. The smoke is terrible. Oh, hey, look, we've got to warn the others. Yeah. I'll get the ones the other side of the hall. The smoke is getting awful thick. Miss Wayne. Miss Wayne. Oh, he was asleep. Go downstairs and out of the house, quick. Oh. The house happens to be on fire. Oh, all right. Louie. Temple. Oh, there you are. I got both Dr. Thorne and Harold Thompson. They're on their way down. We better get downstairs, too. No, not yet. But we got every living thing out of the house. Yeah, but you forgot the dead. Dr. Thorne. The other men. What happened to them? Be still, my dear. We're safe here. They must have ducked down the back way. Okay. Oh, here they come now. Carrying something. Not something, Harold. They're carrying a corpse. No. Well, we're far enough away from the house, Louie. We can put her down now. Okay, Mr. Temple. She's crazy. She's dead, don't you understand? She's dead. Yes, I know, Miss Wayne, but I understand something else, too. That fire wasn't for our benefit. It was for hers. Louie, the lower half of the house hasn't been touched yet. I'm going back in to phone the fire department. Maybe I better go with you? No. You to stay here. Make sure that no one harms her. Miss Wayne? No, Louie. Mrs. Carter. Thank you, Collison. You and the boys did a fine job. Glad we were able to save the lower part of the house. Okay, boys, back to the beanock again. <laughs> you know that Cresdale Fire Department ain't bad? No. We may as well all go inside. I'll take Mrs. Carter. I, um, I can't say I exactly follow your mental processes, Temple. Oh, is that important? I don't know. Why did you have to disturb Mrs. Carter? She's far beyond any disturbances I could create. What Claire meant was, why lug her around the way you are? It's a very simple answer. You see, she's a very important clue. To what? Murder. 
Shut the door off, Mr. Oh, thanks, Terry. Well, this room will do as well as any. The couch is cottage. Mr. Kemper, I, I think I shall insist upon an explanation. We, we're all here. But we're not all here. What? Oh, hell. Yes. He was with us when we arrived at the front door, but then... Yeah, he must have decided that other climbs would be healthier climbs for him at any rate. You're not saying Harold can't... I'm saying nothing about that at the moment. Dr. Thorne, does Claire resemble Mrs. Carter as Mrs. Carter was when she was a girl, of course? You're a cute Templar. The answer, of course, is yes. It's an amazing resemblance. Mm. Yes, it would have to be. I'm not sure I... Why amazing? We were very closely related. That's not the point. Then what is? Someone burgled my apartment, stole a number of pieces of furniture. Among those pieces was a worthless whatnot. Since it was taken along with the others, the others were merely camouflaged. The burglar was primarily after the whatnot. Well, what connection is there between furniture and... And, uh, death? <laughs> that whatnot, Dr. Thorne, until a week ago, belonged to Mrs. Carter. Huh? And Mrs. Carter, who... May have died naturally, or who may have been killed. I told you her heart failed. Almost anything might have brought it on. Yes, Doctor, almost anything. Perhaps a tiny dose of poison, so tiny that it wouldn't of itself be fatal. So tiny that it would produce no symptoms of poisoning, but it would strain an already weak heart, wouldn't it? Well, yes, it's uh, possible. More than possible. It has to be so. Otherwise, why the fire in the upper part of the house? A fire, therefore, that couldn't have been accidental. No cooking or heating is done up there. Well, maybe somebody was after... The living room? No. No doors were locked. None of us were drugged. The house itself is easy to escape from. Fire had only one purpose. To destroy the body of Mrs. Carter. To destroy the possibility of an autopsy on that body. I'm tired. Oh, tired... I'd better go home. No, not quite yet, Doctor. Mrs. Carter was wealthy? Well, no one knows, you see. She never kept money in the bank. There's always, of course, been a theory that she hid all the money somewhere in this house. She's mean and nasty. I don't mind telling you that Harold and I searched all through the house looking for that money. Did you find it? No. Do you need money, Doctor? I, uh... His wife spends more than he earns. Of course he does. I do. Harold does. There wasn't any money. Was Mrs. Carter a sentimental woman, Doctor? No. No, she was a bitter woman. She hated Well, yes, and she was very ill. She knew she was surrounded by... Yes, vultures waiting for her to die so they could pick up her old bones or whatever money clung to them. <laughs> Your way of putting it. <laughs> well, it's an accurate way. And now that you know, Mr. Templer, May I go home? Yes. Yes, after you answer one question. That question being... Somewhat earlier this evening, when I asked you about the possibility of Mrs. Carter's death having been murdered, you denied that possibility. I still... Or perhaps I do no longer deny. However, That's I... That's not uh... my question. At that time, you said she wasn't stabbed to death, meaning that Mr. Sprague, of whose murder I had just informed you, was stabbed to death. But Dr. Thorne... There are many ways in which a man can be killed. Your question then is, how did I know that Sprague had been killed with a knife? Yes, Doctor. I don't think I shall answer that question. I'm sorry. Louis, will you get on the phone? The cops? 
sleep, okay? Get out, Dr. Thorne. You, you won't leave me anymore? Mm, no, Miss Lee. And I'll go in the other room. This one's ugly. What's the matter? It's caught my stockings on the edge of the chair. Oh, that's too bad. They're uh, pretty stockings. They should be. Nylon. It cost a fortune. Good night, Mr. Jim. Good night. Oh, I'll phone the cops. They're on their way, Mr. Templeton. Yeah, good, Louie. Hey, uh, Dr. Thorne. You don't look so good now. You know, if murderers would clap master padlocks on their lips, a lot of them would be better off. They wouldn't give themselves away. And detectives would have a harder time. No, no. No matter how securely a murderer's lips may be locked, I, uh, coin a phrase, murder will out. Yeah, but if Dr. Thorne hadn't made that slip about the stabbing... You've never been able to pin the killing on him. Mm-hmm, that's true. But then you see, Dr. Thorne didn't kill any. Templer, cops are going to be here pretty soon. For the last ten minutes, nobody has said nothing. Yes, but Dr. Thorne has undoubtedly been thinking. If he didn't kill anybody, what has he got to think about? But who did Oh, uh, uh, Mr. Templer. Yes, Doctor? You're quite sure. Yes, I am. There's no hope of none. Well, it was a resemblance, of course. A resemblance to a woman that I'd, uh... You permit an old and tired man and... Old and tired cliché, of mm-hmm. course. A woman that I had loved and lost. I don't get it. Harold did it, didn't he? Not unless he wears nylon stockings. Hmm. Nylon socks, maybe, but stockings? I'm getting worried all by myself. Why are you staring at me like that, Doctor? It's late. Doctor Thorne means he he followed you to Sprague's earlier tonight. He saw Sprague's body with the knife in it. Of course he did. He had to to kill him. Mm -hmm. He also saw you leave when Louis and I got to the gallery. Leave before you could find the record of where the whatnot originally came from. Find it and destroy it, lest it lead to this house and you. No. Oh, yes. Right, Dr. Thorne? You see, Miss Wayne, even now the doctor won't give you away because you look so much like the woman he loved. No, he did. And he killed my aunt. No, a doctor wouldn't have used poison to kill his own patient. Too obvious. A breath of suspicion and he wouldn't have a chance. Harold. No. His disappearance half an hour ago proved his innocence. To who? Louis, where do you think he went? Me? He didn't stop to sell. He went to Sprague's to get at that whatnot. Because he realized that his aunt had hidden her money in it. Hadn't she, Miss Wayne? I don't know. You do. The police will find it. Wherever you've hidden it. The police went going. Come on, open up in there! Yeah, the police are, and that will be proof enough. It's a pity. And all because of a whatnot. Such an ugly thing. <laughs> So, all right, so the cops found the doll in the girl's suitcase downstairs in the hall closet. So she killed her aunt and sprayed. But something must have tipped you off before you could be so sure. Nylon stockings, Louis. Oh, we're back to those again. All right, what about nylon stockings? Louis, whoever poisoned Mrs. Carter was the one who set fire to the house in order to destroy the corpse and prevent an autopsy. Yeah? Well, when I warned Claire Wayne about the fire, she said she'd been asleep. Yeah? 
Later on, after I'd confronted Dr. Thorne with what seemed to be his guilt, she left the room. On the way out, she caught her stockings on a chair. So? Louie, how much do you know about women? Everything. Do women go to sleep with nylon stockings on? Oh, the answer is no. Therefore, Claire Wayne had not been asleep. She'd lied about that with no reason. Unless she had started the fire. So she started the fire, so she poisoned her aunt, stabbed Sprague. Yeah, okay. Only one thing more. What, Louie? Remember when we got to the Carter house, rang the bell, and then the door opened all by itself? Yes, I remember. Never mind remembering. Explain. Oh, probably only a warped door, Louie. The house is very old. Hey, I just thought of something. Yeah, what, Mr. Templin? When I get home, I'll be bedless. Oh, gee, that's right. You ain't got no furniture. Want I should drop you off at a hotel? No, thank you, Louie. Maybe I can find a, a good chess game. been listening to another transcribed adventure of the saint, the Robin Hood of modern crime. Now here's our star, Vincent Price. Ladies and gentlemen, in tonight's cast, you heard Peggy Weber as Claire and Victor Rodman as Dr. Thorne. David Ellis was Harold Gilbert Fry, the dispatcher. Larry Dobkin plays Louis. This is Vincent Price inviting you to join us again next week at the same time for another exciting adventure of the saint. Good night. This Adventure of the Saint was written by Lou Vitti. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris, was produced by James L. Safier and directed by Helen Mack. Vincent Price is soon to be seen co-starring in RKO's production of His Kind of Woman. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. For something new and exciting in your big Sunday lineup on NBC, listen to the Phil Regan Camp Show coming up next. There'll be prizes for talented GIs and the very best Sunday listening for you with the Phil Regan Camp Show next on NBC. Thank you for listening. I hope you're going to be here next week when I'll uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.